is one of my favorite Sundays in our church year, Epiphany Ministry Sunday. It's such a privilege to be led by our Epiphany Ministry participants and our friends. In fact, I was just thinking about it. It was uh, five years ago on Epiphany Ministry Sunday, I was uh, visiting here from Atlanta, discerning my call on whether or not God was calling me to Preston Hollow. It was, an, it was Epiphany Ministry Sunday. And I felt God's call through the voices and the lives of our friends who are leading us in worship this day. And I will be forever grateful for their prophetic witness for not only me, but for my entire family. We love you and we are so grateful for you. My dear friends, uh, today is the first Sunday of Lent. We're going to kick off our new sermon series entitled The Seven Essential Questions. It's entitled The uh, Seven Essential Questions because Jesus is asked a lot of questions in the Gospels, but he's not in the business of providing too many answers. In fact, uh, do you know that there are only eight times in all the Gospels in which Jesus answers a question that he is asked? Uh, more likely, Jesus is asked, or more likely, Jesus asked a question in response to a question that he has asked. So we're going to uh, turn today uh, to the first question. And I got to tell you, um, I thought this would be sort of an easy question for us to enter the Lenten season with. But the more that I've wrestled and prayed and studied, this is a hard question. Uh, for it seems to me, depending on how we answer the question that Jesus asked today, depends on how we will answer all the rest. Dare I say how we will live our very lives. So we're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke this morning, to the ninth chapter. And we're going to read uh, verses 18 through 25. Friends, listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. Listen, because this word may just change your life. Once when Jesus was praying alone with only the disciples near him, Jesus asked them, uh, uh, who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but others, Elijah, and still others, that one of the ancient prophets has arisen. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered, the Messiah of God. Jesus sternly ordered and commanded them not to tell anyone, saying, The Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then Jesus said to them all, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake, will save it. What does it profit them? What does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O oh God, that you hover here. You hover in this very sanctuary this morning, just as you hovered over the waters of creation. 
So we ask, we pray, that you would create afresh and anew this very day, that you would reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words, that they would be your words to us here and now. We pray that you would bring light out of our darkness, hope out of our despair, that you would lead us by your word. And we pray, O oh God, that you would breathe new life into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts, that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We're going to uh, begin this sermon a little differently this morning. It's, uh, it's the first Sunday in spring break, so I think we can get away with it. But there are cards in the pew rack right in front of you. They look just like this. They should be uh, right in front of the Bible. I want you to grab one of these cards. Make sure that you have a writing instrument. There are pencils in your pews. Uh, there are also pens. If you, if you run out of cards, turn to the pew behind you. Make sure you get this card. And I want us to imagine, okay, that Jesus uh, has come in the flesh this morning. He's uh, come in the north transept doors and he's made his way right here to the chancel. Better yet, I want us to imagine that uh, Jesus is sitting in the pew right next to you in the flesh this morning. And Jesus uh, turns to you and says, uh, Will, Nancy, Sally, Sarah, Bob. Bill, I got a, uh, just a quick question for you. I won't stay in your pew too long. Can you, can you answer this question for me? Who do you say that I am? I'm going to give you 15 seconds to respond to Jesus. Anybody want more time than 15 seconds? You're talking to the Savior of the world. We have one person. All right, 15 seconds. What would you respond to Jesus? Write it on that card. Go for it. Go. And for those of you listening on the radio, write it down on your napkin. You have five seconds. It's okay to look at your neighbors. You can steal theirs. All right, time. Thank you for indulging me. Uh, 15 seconds is not a long time, is it? It's uh, certainly not much time to think or write, but that was the point of this exercise. What are the first things that come to mind when we answer the question, who do you say that I am? I wonder how many of us uh, this morning wrote down uh, answers like this, Lord, Messiah, Emmanuel, Savior, Liberator, Christ, Redeemer, love. I got to tell you, um, I began this sermon this week by doing that very exercise. And some of the answers that surfaced for me were, were the following. Uh, Jesus, you are a man for others. Jesus, you're uh, every person that I seek to care for. Jesus, uh, you're my friend. You are my heavenly parent. Though I got to tell you, the more I spent time with my own answers this week, the more that I reflected on how I would respond to Christ with this question, I came to realize that I actually 
didn't answer the question that was asked. The more I sat and I looked at my responses, the more I realized that I answered the wrong question. I had in fact answered the question that Jesus first asked the disciples. Who do others say that I am? The more I looked at this card, the more I realized that these answers were given to me by theologians and uh, by my pastor growing up, even by friends and professors. For instance, uh, it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said that Jesus was a man for others. It was Mother Teresa who said, Jesus is every patient that I care for. It was my pastor at my home church growing up who taught me in a children's sermon one time that Jesus was my friend. It was my grandfather, my papa, who prayed every Sunday lunch. He began the prayer this way. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be gathered here as a family today. It was my papa who taught me that Jesus was my heavenly parent. I wonder if you picked up your card and you looked at your responses, if you just glanced down at them for a moment, I wonder if you'll have the same reaction. You'll be able to trace back who taught you that Jesus was Lord or who taught you that Jesus was your Redeemer. Or who taught you that Jesus was love? I want to be clear, uh, we can be thankful about those who have taught us and raised us in the faith. But the second question remains. Who do I, who do you, who do we say that Jesus is? It seems to me, uh, after studying the text, that we're in good company. Uh, we're in good company because we're just like the crowd. Jesus has uh, been teaching and preaching and healing for years now. And the crowds are beginning to wonder, who is this person? So they say, oh, he's John the Baptist or Elijah. They're giving the best answers they can based on what they have been taught to look for. You see, uh, good Jewish folks would have known that the Messiah, the Messiah was going to come from a religious pedigree. The Messiah was going to come from, uh, from wealth and power. The Messiah was uh, going to come and reign just like King David and bring back all the wealth that they had lost when the temple had been destructed. The Messiah was not going to come from Nazareth. The Messiah certainly was not going to come from carpenter. The crowd is answering this question based on everything that they have been taught and handed down because they have yet to see that God was more than what they had been taught. And so then Jesus asked the disciples, that's who they say that I am. I have a quick question for you. Who do you say that I am. Jesus asked the deeper, the better, the harder question. Peter says, Lord, you're the, you're the Messiah. 
of God. Boom, one breath, one take, direct, immediate. It took Peter less than 15 seconds to say it. Peter didn't provide an answer that he heard or had been taught, but rather Peter replied based on who he experienced Jesus to be. And Peter's the star student for just a moment, just for a second. But I'm not even sure that Peter fully comprehends what he's just said. The biblical uh, scholar Martin Copenhaver says, you know, it took a lot of courage for Peter to respond in this way. Because uh, if it's true, if Jesus is the Messiah, it's enough to turn the world upside down. If it's not true, then Peter can be stoned to death as a blasphemer. But Peter says it anyway. You're the Messiah of God. And in Matthew's gospel, Jesus responds to Peter by giving the only blessing to an individual. By giving the only blessing to an individual that Jesus gives to anyone throughout all Gospels. I got to tell you, I would prefer this question to come to us in the form of true or false, would you not? Jesus says, Matthew, am I the Messiah? True. Seems to me if I were Jesus, I would make this a a question that would uh, be required for disciples to answer before following me. But it seems to Jesus that this is not a question that's a prerequisite to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus uh, asked this of his disciples only after they've been following him for years. It's the kind of question that uh, the disciples could only answer after they had spent their life following him, trusting him, learning from him, experiencing his mercy and his love and his grace. They could only answer for themselves after they had been changed and transformed. Which begs the question, does it not, my dear friends? How do we answer Jesus' question based on our experience of Christ in our lives, in our world? Who do you say that Jesus is after you've studied the Bible for 30 years? Who do you say that Jesus is after you have prayed by the bedside of one of your loved ones? Who do you say that Jesus is now that you've grown older and you've seen the way that relationships can grow? Who do you see, uh, who do you say that Jesus is after you've experienced great pain in your life? Who do you say that Jesus is after your marriage fell apart? Who do you say that Jesus is after uh, you've served the poor? Who do you say Jesus is after you've had children or you bear the unspeakable pain? Having lost a child, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is uh, after you've worked your whole life and you're beginning to enter retirement? I gotta tell you, I've been thinking a lot about that question. I've been thinking 
What would I do if Jesus showed up right here in the pulpit this morning? Jesus said, you know, Matthew, you, uh, you preach a lot of sermons. One quick question for you. Matthew, who do you say that I am? I want to be abundantly clear this morning. If Jesus came in the flesh and entered the pulpit this morning, I would stop preaching. <laughs> I'd stop preaching and I'd let Jesus take over. Because I'm not sure that if Jesus came in the flesh right here, that I would be able to speak. But if he did and he asked me that question, this is what I would want to say. And I got to tell you, my friends, it's not going to fit on the card. But I would say, Lord, you are Emmanuel. You are God in the flesh. And I've learned that because I, I've learned that you love things by becoming them. I've learned that nothing is off limits from you. You don't exclude anyone or anything. And so you took on flesh, God. Show us and awaken us to the depth of your love and your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness that is around us all the time and deep within us. Jesus, you are the Messiah. You walk alongside of us in our darkest moments when we think that light is not even possible. You come in our darkness to bring forgiveness when we can't fathom it, and to bring peace when all we can see are enemies. You come to bring life when all we know is death. And Jesus, you came to give voice to the voiceless. You came, you became what the world discards. So that we would know that no one is disposable. That no one is written off, for we are all made in your image. You came, Jesus. So that we can recognize you in the other, in the stranger, and our friend. And I hate it when you do this, Jesus, but even our enemy. And I know this, Lord. I know it because I've seen you. You don't look like you do right now. But I've seen you my whole life long. And I've felt you because I've felt the forgiveness and the grace that only you can give. I know this in my bones, Lord. Because I've heard your voice here through this congregation. And I've heard your voice in the stranger and even through my children. So that's how I would answer you today, Lord. I got to tell you, that's how I would answer Jesus today. But I may answer him a little differently next week. And this is why. For my dear friends, we, 
believe in a God who is alive and at work in our world and in our lives. And if we believe that that is true, that means that we come to know in the fullness of time the depth and the breadth of God's love and mercy for us. So I pray that I would only continue to know that more fully. I want to invite you, uh, this is the first Sunday of, of Lent. I want to invite you uh, to take your card with you uh, and, and put it at a place where you can see it. Right by the coffee maker in our house is a good spot. I want you to put your card right there where you can see it. And I want to invite you to revisit this question for the next six weeks. I want you to uh, spend some time answering the question, who do you say that I am? Not who have you heard me to be, who do they say that I am, but who do you say that I am? And I want you to be open that if your answers don't align with everything you've been taught, to lean more fully into that. But I gotta warn you, I have to warn you that if you take me up on this, in answering this question, you are opening yourself up to the life-changing power of God Almighty. For in answering this question, we should be ready to answer Christ with our whole lives, with everything we have, our decisions, and our intellect, and our time, and our money, and our work, and our families, our humility, and even our kindness. For if, if Jesus, if Jesus is all that we say he is, then he is worthy of it all. Let us pray. Thank you.